Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. If you are enjoying the podcast and would like to show your support, then we would love for you to check out Sleep Tight Premium. Not only would your support help us to continue producing the show, but our premium feed is all about supporting your sleep time routine. For September, we are offering 50% off all our plans for the first three months and 50% off our already discounted yearly plan. Check out sleeptightpremium.com or follow the link in our show notes. Thank you. Our sleep story is the next chapter of the Boxcar Children. We are going to continue with Henry, Jess, Violet, and Benny on their next adventure. Remember, they were just settling down to sleep by a brook last chapter after having spent the day sleeping in a haystack. They walked until they heard the baker and his wife talking about where they were heading, and then the children walked in the other direction, heading towards a town farther away. They got partway there when they decided to stop and rest along a brook. They spread out their hay and found some pine needles to rest their heads on and went to sleep, hoping it wouldn't rain. In this new chapter, they find a new place to rest and hope to be able to stay for a while. They make a new friend and have a great meal. But before we continue with our story, let's take a moment to relax. We can practice our deep breathing anytime or anywhere. But before bed, let's first turn down the lights, get comfortable, and make sure that everything feels as it should. Now close your eyes if you'd like, and we'll begin with a few slow, deep belly breaths. Each time you breathe in, breathe all the way down into your belly. When you breathe in, be sure to slowly breathe through your nose. And when you breathe out, try to push all the air out of your lungs. Breathe in. and breathe out. Notice how you feel when you take these deep breaths, how you get more and more relaxed with each breath, 
how the weight of your body sinks into the bed. Breathe in. And breathe out. Throughout this time of relaxation and our story, thoughts of the day or the day to come may enter your mind. That's okay and normal. When they come, just try to return your attention to your breathing, to the story and music. Breathe in. and breathe out. Perfect. Let's continue with Chapter 3 of The Boxcar Children. When Jess opened her eyes, it must have been about 10 o'clock in the morning. She sat up and looked all around her. She could dimly see the opening where they had come into the woods. She looked around to see that her family was still safely by her. Then she looked up at the sky. At first, she thought it must still be night and then she realized that the darkness was caused by an approaching storm. Whatever, whatever shall we do now? demanded Jess of the air. She got up and looked in every direction for shelter. She even walked quite a little ways into the woods and down a hill. And there she stood not knowing what to do next. I will have to wake Henry up, she said at last, only how I hate to. As she spoke, she glanced into the forest and her feet felt as if they were nailed to the ground. She could not stir. Faintly outlined among the trees, Jess saw an old freight or boxcar. Her first thought was one of fear. Her second, hope for shelter. As she thought of shelter, her feet moved and she stumbled toward it. It really was a freight car. She felt it. It stood on rusty, broken rails, which were nearly covered with dead leaves. Then the thunder cracked overhead. Jess came to her usual senses and started back for Henry, flying like the wind. He was awake, looking anxiously overhead. He had not noticed that Jess was missing. Come, panted Jess. I found a place. Hurry, hurry. 
Henry did not stop to ask questions. He picked up Benny, telling Violet to gather up the hay. And then they ran headlong through the thick underbrush in Jess's wake. Seeing their way only too well by the sharp flashes of lightning. It's beginning to sprinkle, gasped Henry. We'll get there, all right, Jess shouted back. It's not far. Be all ready to help me open the door when we get there. By sheer good fortune, a big tree stump stood under the door of the freight car or the children never could have opened it. As it was, Jess sprang on the stump and Henry, pausing to lay Benny down, did likewise. Together, they rolled back the heavy door about a foot. That's enough, panted Jess. I'll get in and you hand Benny up to me. No, said Henry quietly. I must see first if anyone is in there. It will rain, protested Jess. Nothing will hurt me. But she knew it was useless to argue with Henry, so she quickly groped in the bag for the matches and handed them to her brother. It must be said that Jess held her breath while Henry struck one and peered about inside the car. All's well, he reported. Come in, everybody. Violet passed the hay up to her brother and crawled in herself. Then Jess handed Benny up like a package of groceries and taking one last look at the angry sky and waving trees, she climbed in after him. The two children managed to roll the door back so that the crack was completely closed before the storm broke. But at the very instant, it broke with a vengeance. It seemed to the children that the sky would split. So sharp were the cracks of thunder. But not a drop of rain reached them in their roomy retreat. They could see nothing at all, for the freight car was tightly made, and all outside was nearly as black as night. Through it all, Benny slept on. Presently, the thunder grew fainter and rumbled away down the valley, and the rain spent itself. Only the drip from trees on the top of the car could be heard. Then Henry ventured to open the door. He knelt on his hands and knees and thrust his head out. The warm sunlight was filtering through the trees, making golden pools of light here and there. The beautiful trees, pines and white birches and oaks grew thickly around and the ground was carpeted with flowers and wonderful ferns more than a yard high. But most miraculous of all was the miniature waterfall small but perfect, where the same little brown brook fell gracefully over some ledges and danced away down to the narrow valley. 
In an instant, Jess and Violet were looking over Henry's shoulder at the pretty sight. How different everything looks with the sun shining, exclaimed Jess. Things will soon be dry at this rate. It must be about noon, observed Henry, looking at the sun. And as he spoke, the faint echo of mill bells in the distance was heard. Henry, said Jess sharply, let's live here. Live here? repeated Henry slowly. Yes, why not? replied Jess. Nobody uses this car, and it's dry and warm. We're quite far away, and yet we are near enough to a town so we can buy things. And we are near water, added Violet. Jess hugged her sister. So we are, little mouse, she said, the most important thing of all. But, began Henry, please, Henry, said Jess excitedly, I could make this old freight car into the dearest little house with beds and chairs and a table and dishes. I'd like to live here too, said a determined little voice from the corner, but I don't want to unless... Unless what? asked Henry, panic-stricken. Unless I can have my dinner, Benny finished anxiously. We'll have something to eat right away, old fellow, said Henry, thankful it was no worse. For he himself was beginning to see what a cozy home the car really would make. Jess cut the last loaf of bread into four pieces, but ugh, it was very dry. The children were so hungry that they tore it with their teeth like little dogs but Benny was nearly crying. He did not actually cry though, for just at the crucial moment, Violet started a funny story about Cinnamon Bear eating bread crusts out of the trash can. He ought to have milk, said Jess quietly to Henry. He shall have milk, replied Henry. I'll go down the railroad track to the town and get some. Jess counted out a dollar in ten dimes and handed it to Henry. By the time our four dollars are gone, you will have some work to do, she said. All the same, Henry did not like to begin his trip. How I hate to leave you alone, Jess, he said miserably. Oh, don't you worry, began Jess lightly. We'll have a surprise for you when you come back. You just wait and see and she nodded her head wisely as Henry walked slowly off through the woods. The moment he was out of sight, she turned to Benny and Violet. Now, she said, what do you think we are going to do? Do you know what I saw over in the sunny part of the woods? I saw some blueberries. Oh, oh, cried Benny who knew what blueberries were. Can't we have some blueberries and milk? We certainly... began Jess, but the sentence never was finished, for a sharp crackle of dry leaves was heard. Something was moving in the woods. 
Keep still, whispered Jess. Benny obeyed. The three children were as motionless as stone images, huddled inside the freight car. Jess opened her mouth in order to breathe at all. Her heart was thumping so wildly. She watched like a cat through the open door in the direction of the rustling noise. And in a moment, the trembling bushes parted and out crawled a dog. He was a large terrier and was pulling himself along on three legs, whimpering softly. Jess drew a long breath of relief and said to the children, it's all right, only a dog, but he seems to be hurt. At the sound of her voice, the dog lifted his eyes and wagged his tail feebly. He held up his front paw. Poor doggy, murmured Jess soothingly as she climbed out of the boxcar. Let Jess see your poor lame foot. She approached the dog carefully, for she remembered that her mother had always told her never to touch a strange dog unless he wagged his tail. But this dog's tail was wagging, certainly. So Jess bent over, without fear, to look at the paw. An exclamation of pity escaped her when she saw it, for a stiff, sharp thorn had been driven completely through one of the cushions of the dog's foot. I guess I can fix that, said Jess briskly, but taking the thorn out is going to hurt you, old fellow. The dog looked up at her as she laid his paw down and licked her hand. Come here, Violet and Benny, directed Jess. She took the animal gently in her lap and turned him on his side. She patted his head and stroked his nose with one finger and offered him the rest of her bread crust, which she had put in her apron pocket. The dog snapped it up as if he were nearly starved. Then she held the soft paw firmly with her left hand and pulled steadily on the thorn with her right hand. The dog did not utter a sound. He lay motionless in her lap until the thorn suddenly let go and lay in Jess's hand. Good, good, cried Violet. Wet my handkerchief, Jess ordered briskly. Violet did so, dipping it in the running brook. Jess wrapped the cool, wet folds around the hot paw and gently squeezed it against the wound, the dog meanwhile trying to lick her hands. We'll surprise Henry, won't we? laughed Benny delightedly. Now we got a dog. To be sure, said Jess, struck with the thought, but that isn't what I intended for a surprise. You know I was intending to get a lot of blueberries and maybe find some old dishes in a dump or something. Can't we look while you hold the dog? asked Violet anxiously. Of course you can, said Jess. Look over there by those rocks. 
Benny and Violet scrambled through the underbrush to the place Jess pointed at and investigated. But they did not hunt long, for the blueberries were so thick that the bushes almost bent over with their weight. Oh, Jessie, screamed Benny. You never saw so many in your life. What'll we pick them into? Come and get a clean towel, said Jess, who noticed that Benny was already picking into his own mouth. But that's just as well, she thought, because he won't get so hungry waiting for the milk. She watched the two children a moment as they dropped handfuls of the bluish globes on the towel. Then she carefully got up with her little patient and went over and sat down in the center of the patch. The berries were so thick, she did not have to change her position before the towel held a big pile. Oh dear, sighed Jess. I wish I could hunt for some dishes so we could have blueberries and milk. Never mind, said Violet. We can just eat a handful of berries and then take a drink of milk when Henry comes. But it was even better than that, for when Henry came, he had two bottles of milk under one arm, a huge loaf of brown bread under the other, and some golden cheese in wax paper in his pocket. But you should have seen Henry stare when he saw what Jess was holding. Where in the world, began the boy. He came to us, volunteered Benny. He came for a surprise for you, and he's a nice doggy. Henry knelt down to look at the visitor who wagged his tail. It wouldn't be a bad thing to have a watchdog, said Henry. I worried about you the whole time I was gone. Did you bring some milk? Inquired Benny, trying to be polite, but looking at the bottles with longing eyes. Bless his heart, said Jess, struggling to her feet with the dog. We'll have dinner right away. Or is it supper? Call it supper, suggested Henry, for it's the last thing we'll have to eat today. And then tomorrow, we'll start having three meals every day, laughed Jess. And that's the end of this chapter. Sleep tight. Thank you.